The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What up, Whiskey Junior fans? Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time joining us, like I say, welcome to the show. Tell a friend, spread the word, give us a good rating, comment, do all that jazz. Uh, The library is rich with many, many other people that I'm sure you might like. And push it around to your friends. Get them hooked on that whiskey ginge. Today, my guest is Doug Stanhope. I love Doug. I've been a fan for a very long time. We have a couple of drinks and chat about all sorts of fun stuff. This dude is one of my favorite humans to exist, let alone comedians. He is incredible. So I'm really happy about this episode that I got to sit down and chat with Doug over a couple of drinks and a half pack of cigs on his end. Uh, look, if you're looking to find out where I'm going, I don't know what to tell you. We're trying to figure it out during these crazy times. AndrewSantino.com is going to have the information that you might need to know about where I'm touring. And if I'm not touring anymore, it's because of the city. It's not us. Uh, if you're looking for merch, the merch bar right down below on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, there's a bunch of stuff down there. Hats, shirts, there's, uh, mugs, glasses. We got all that good stuff, dude. Go right down there or go to AndrewSantinoStore.com if you want the URL. Otherwise, you can just go down on YouTube. There's a merch bar right down there. The Patreon is Whiskey Ginger Podcast. Uh, That's where I'm doing uh, these uh, Zooms for the top tier. I'm doing Cheeto Chats. I'm trying to put exclusive content. We do early uploads of the episodes without ads. We do all sorts of stuff at the Patreon, so check it out. Patreon.com slash Whiskey Ginger Podcast. AndrewSantino.com for whatever. AndrewSantinoStore.com if you're looking for the merch. Or click on the merch bar. Anyway, whatever. Grab a drink, fill up, enjoy the episode. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today. It's Doug Stanhope. Doug, hey. Hello. What's up? Nice to finally meet you, sir. Yes, nice to meet you via the the internet due to the COVID issues. What are you sipping on, by the way? I should cheers you right away. Cheers. Yes, Cheers, uh, I didn't know you, I, I didn't know the whiskey ginger, or I would have had her pour me a whiskey ginger. That's all right. What did you have? A, a vodka soda, splash of grapefruit. Is that the go-to now, or do you? Uh... Yeah, standard. Yeah. What like has it as time has gone on? Because you're a big drinker. I'm a big drinker. Um, I've changed what I like, what my standard drink was. But whiskey has kind of always been, whiskey's always been my thing. But I like, I never had a vodka phase. Did you have like a whiskey phase or? No, I was I was always a, a beer and a shot guy. Right. Uh, but always beer, shitty beer, Miller Lite guy my whole career. And then I quit smoking in uh, 2008. Yeah. And uh, I got really fucking fat. So uh, I thought it was the, I thought maybe if I switch beer for uh, uh, vodka cranberry, not knowing that that has like three <laughs> times as much fucking sugar in it. Yeah. It's pure sugar. That's when it, 
yeah, that's when I made the switch. And now I, and I fucking love any kind of bar where they know how to make a, a drink that I couldn't make at home. Right. Like an old fashioned or right. Crazy, makes me uh, whiskey sours with egg whites, like proper. Oh, that's nice. Frothy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. My, my, um, so my Irish, uh, blood of alcoholic trains has been, my grandfather was always a whiskey guy. Uh, my parents, same thing. And my, my grandpa drank, um, he drank Manhattans. Like, and, and what he would do is he would, cause a lot of people didn't have sweet vermouth. That was never like a thing that a lot of people just don't have it at their house. So my grandfather would carry around this little tiny, what looked like a, you know, it looked like a tiny briefcase or like a, a set of like poker chips. I know exactly. I could probably show you the case. Yeah, and he and he would keep sweet vermouth in there, his his whiskey and a little thing of maraschino cherries, and he would take it with him and he would call it his computer. He thought it was you know he thought that was the best joke on earth. He was like, oh, it's my little computer, and everybody was like, we nah, would I... find those in thrift stores from the sixties. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, take them backstage with us. It was. It's a perfect. It's a perfect thing for an alcoholic to like class up your problem. You know what I mean? It makes you look a little bit, it's not as embarrassing as bring showing up with a bag all the time, but he loved that. Like he thought that was the coolest thing was showing up with your own shit because my grandfather was always big on, you have to show up with something, right? You had to show up and, and you had to bring some kind of booze for them. And then he always said, you should usually just give them booze. You don't care about drinking. Cause if you care, if you cared about what you brought, you shouldn't give it out because someone's going to have it and then you're not going to fucking have it. So he was always like, bring your own shit and give them a thing for them. And it was a lesson I learned when I was like 12. And then now as an adult, you're like, the logic is perfect. Cause you, you did, if you do show up to somebody's house with something, it's gone. You're fucked. You're like, what a waste. I shouldn't have, I, I really wanted to have that. I, uh, I have new neighbors that just moved in and, uh, Actually, a couple in the neighbor neighborhood where uh, I go, I should give them like a bottle of wine or something. And you go, you can't really assume anyone drinks anymore. And right. the other thing was like Omaha steaks. Right. It's a great thing to send to people. Uh, but yeah, they're probably fucking sober vegans. Right. <laughs> waste all this fucking money saying hello to a neighbor. <laughs> Didn't you have to give them like uh, uh, Theo Vaughn, who's sober, brought over this non-alcoholic... I don't even know what this shit is called, but it's dealkalinized whiskey. And I got to tell you, dude, it tastes fucking atrocious. It's dog shit. It's such a far miss. It's such a miss. It's like they tried they tried so hard to like embody the flavors of whiskey, but without the alcohol, it's nothing. It's shit. Like beer has done a great job because beer is much simpler to make. It's much easier to make non-alcoholic beer. But to make non-alcoholic whiskey, yeah, honestly, I've gone it's on impossible. Since not drinking whatever. Yeah, I've I've gone on brief stints of not drinking when I was a beer drinker and fucking O'Doul's, just yeah, yeah, you can just pound have it. it in your hand. It's like having a microphone on stage. It's right. Well, you done like all the specials that you've done, everything that I you know, and I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I've like all the almost every special you've ever done, you usually are drinking a beer. But for me, I'm not a big beer guy. But I do have beer on stage during shows because it's an easy sipping thing. I used to bring up whiskey when I first started touring, and I was I could I was feeling it by like the third fourth year on the road where I was like, well, I'm ripping seven or eight of these things a night just because of this on stage, you know, doing two shows back to back, and then yeah, I was just like, I can't keep drinking that much whiskey every night. It's just too easy. So for me now, I do beer on stage. It tempers my my drinking, uh, you know, my drinking habits. 
It's too easy. I, I, I like I like the cocktail straw. As I always pack my uh, my suit jacket with cocktail straws. Good, right? You know, for for stage purposes. For stage, yeah, right. So look, you're out in Bisbee. When I had heard that you had moved down there, obviously I, I've never we've never met in the real world, but I do I do I want to give you a little bit of props. I think you are. Um, arguably is what you have to say, or what is it? Uh, <laughs> I'm accusing you of being one of the best stand-ups of, of our generation, of those that are alive right now. Uh, whether or not I'm, I'm right or wrong doesn't matter to me because I feel that way. And you've always kind of lived to me this, um, this like true comics, comics life, which I know it sounds cheesy, but you took off you know, you lived in West, you lived in West Hollywood. You lived in you lived in L.A., but you lived in West Hollywood for a while. I, I started in Vegas, right, doing open mics, not knowing that nobody starts there, right. And then, uh, <laughs> and I moved to Phoenix and I'd get a gig as a house MC at a failing club, but I get to be on stage, you know, for all those shows every week. Right. And then I just started living out of my car till I moved to three years till I moved to uh, L.A. in two thousand five. Was the reason for you going back to? to Arizona was it because of your stint in Phoenix I'm sorry 1995 sorry I forget to say I'm a, I'm a little bit really high okay good <laughs> that's good that's good dude do you, when you when you went back when you went back to Arizona was that because because you lived here for a short amount of time and like it made no, you no, fall that in was love just, yeah, I, I, I just went to Phoenix for a minute because I fell in love with a girl which is always begs the question as a drinker have you made more embarrassing mistakes over love or over alcohol? Well, they're one and the same usually for us. For people that drink a lot, that typically tends to overlap, right? Like how many relationships did you get into because of alcohol or with alcohol? You know what I mean? Like the trappings of that you're like, I, I say that, I say that about Phoenix because I went to school, I went to Arizona State and I have this thing in my heart for Arizona that I try to explain to people, but they don't really understand it. Because the desert has this, I wish I was smart enough to articulate it. The desert has this thing that pulls you to it for some reason. Once you've lived there, it's it's it's, it's a sweet stink of death. Yes, man, it's beautiful. It's the like antifreeze. It tastes really good, but it's all <laughs> death. I think the stillness is amazing. Something about getting drunk in the desert when it's a summer night and it's so still, it feels like the earth isn't even fucking spinning. When you're drinking outside and hanging out outside in the desert air at night. I can't explain it. There's something that it did to me that I never felt any other time in my life. I'm from Chicago and I lived, you know, there in Phoenix. And then I lived here now in, in California and something about that. Just, I don't know. There's something about Arizona. So I'm, why, I, I'm drinking yeah. in Arizona and I'm picturing your vision as way better. My version, right. is probably better than the real, than the real version. Well, what do they say? Yeah, no, always, I'm, I'm seeing know. the purplish skies Silhouetting right. on a cactus and right. Well, we used to get we used to get high on mushrooms and sit on my uh, we used to uh, my buddy's old house his roof and watch heat lightning storms. You ever watch like when you I'd sit outside and watch those. I fucking love them. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember going through a field of them on the road going to El Paso. It yeah, it's just it's like strobe lights. It 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 just I don't know. There's something about I've I've always said this. Uh, to friends and family, I think at some point I just, I do want to spend another small time in the desert because I do love it. I don't know why. Like, what drew you to Bisbee? Why did you go? Why did you end up going down there? 
I, I had time off between gigs in uh, Phoenix and El Paso. I had three days to kill. So I was just taking back roads and seeing what was around and found this place. And it's just fucking amazing. Yeah. So I just kept coming back anytime I was coming in and out of LA on the road. I'd always stop here for a day or two. Now, do you, do you go down? You're so close to Mexico. Do you go down to Mexico or you don't fuck with that? No, there's, no, uh, there's nothing you need down there. Right. Like, I, I, I'm not, the town is uh, across from us is like, you know, 3000 people. It's tiny. Right. Uh, so it's not like you're afraid for your life like I would be at most other border crossings. <laughs> but yeah. there's still no reason to go. I, the, the, the kids here, they not my actual kids, uh, my producer and his wife, the Chaleys. Yeah. Right. Uh, they go down for lunch, but I, I don't like risking that fucking knuckle and what's supposed to just be meat. Right, right. Yeah, it's not worth. It seems to be not worth. It. I mean, like we used to. I like somewhat authentic Mexican food. <laughs> you like Mexican food cooked by maybe some white guys. Like a few white guys could cook it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I want my Italian food cooked by Mexicans. That's the only way I'll have it. You know. <laughs> um, now with all this shit going on, are you hunkering down in Arizona? Or are you getting out on the road? No, I'm. I'm right here all the time. I fucking yeah. love it. Yep. Do you feel like going back out at all or no? I, I did the math and I realized I haven't slept in the same bed for a year since I was 15 or 17 years old. Holy shit. So it's, it's like it's having a whole new experience of actually being a homeowner yeah. guy, neighbor that buys shit. <laughs> the neighborhood, I'm that guy. I walk my dogs twice a day. Like, did you put up Halloween decorations? Is that the, the guy you're becoming? Are you becoming a true suburbanite? No, but uh, Tracy and Chaley, uh, his uh, twin brother, they have a, a haunted house uh, business. They make like all the fucking realistic, real doll dead people and shit like that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so they always do a free haunted house. They make up the lot behind us into this big free haunted house. And uh, this year they, they can't do it. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like they have all the shit, like the people in town have no idea. They just put up flyers, free fucking haunted house. They have no idea the fucking dollar amounts of this shit. Like, like you would think that was a dead body if it was just laying there. Right. I've seen those. I've gone to those houses, the prop houses where they make all that stuff. And the artistic ability of those people is super underappreciated. I mean that, that the, the stuff they're able to do, it would blow the average person's fucking mind, but they just don't know how. Go to uh, listeners, uh, go yeah. to ghostride.com or is it Ghost Ride Productions? It's Ghost Ride Productions. Google. Ghost Ride. Go to Ghost Ride Productions. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Cool. Yeah, that stuff blows my mind. The, 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 the talent that it takes, the ability to do that kind of shit is always very underappreciated, right? People don't really think about the, 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 art, the artistic ability you have to have to be good at something like that. It's the same way that you know, people that don't like tattoos are just like, oh, tattoo, are, they're not, you're just a person that does them. You're not an artist, but it's extremely fucking difficult, but it just kind of feels to culture not, My no head is jumping all over the map with this, but yeah, that even more so than comics should be able to copyright their, their uh, work. An original tattoo should have a fucking copyright. 100%. Imagine the first person that had that cool tattoo and now every douchebag has it and it's acting <laughs> and you can't yeah. get rid of it. 
Like right, that's like, even worse than a joke thief. Right. The first guy that did the barbed wire that every chick got because of Pam Anderson. You know, like the first, the first the tramp lawnmower stamp. guy with yeah. a lawnmower and the pubic hair. I yeah. remember the first stripper I saw that on. I've talked about this on the show. There's a there's a there's a great Instagram you should look at called Snake Pit, and they put up some of the most ridiculously phenomenal tattoos like it's a lot of nudity a lot of people it's it's a lot of hypersexualized stuff um but like there's one my favorite one was a guy is hanging off of a nipple a girl's tit and he's holding on you know it's her boyfriend holding on to her t- her her under her nipple it's so great dude it's like the 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 minutia the particulars of it it's so small and specific and yeah they should be able to copyright that the same way that we should be able to have no one take our fucking jokes what well, do you think the we, punishment? you can write a new joke you're you right only cover up a fucking hackney tattoo so many times that's true what do you think what do you think the punishment should literally be when somebody does steal a joke and and does it on does it on something right like when a joke is stolen yeah and it's done on something else to plug your show the comedy yep. store series which is fucking absolutely makes oh, me thanks, for the first time since before COVID, want to do comedy again? Yeah, be part of comedy. So, yeah, your episode last night—that's what the punishment is. Right. Fucking Carlos Mencia was right. selling out fucking theaters everywhere. Yeah. That, yeah. He got he got the repercussion of what of what it what he deserved. Yeah. Well, he got the repercussions of what was coming. It was almost like, you know. It's it's almost strange to think. You know how they say like some people want to get caught. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's it's almost as if he was so brazen he wanted to get caught because he knew he didn't deserve it. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like yeah. Well, I mean when he did that Bill Cosby high mom, that's like a classic story. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. You're yeah, then you're outright just. I think it's almost there's guilt. It's in like thing. if he had a bit about fucking. I was driving in my convertible. Doing acid on my way to Vegas when I the bats came in. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. so obviously Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. no, it's parallel thinking. He's like, no, I was on my fourth bottle of Shivas and I had my ninth bump of the hour, and yeah, it, yeah, it just, just direct just ripping eating him off. an adrenal gland. <laughs> Hunter, completely. Yeah, I th- I think uh, I think there's guilt that's laid into fame and success. I think inherently many of us, especially in comedy. When you get a little bit of fame or success, there's so much guilt because of your friends in our world. A lot of them aren't doing, um, aren't doing well at all. We all kind of started this bottom feeders club. So when anybody gets a little bit of success, there's guilt built in. And I think in his case, he felt guilty because he knew that we that everybody knew it wasn't real. So like the guilt kept spilling out of him until finally, I think he was just like, I'm going to do other people's shit and just get caught. Well, I. Uh- Obviously, most the decent ones of us have imposter syndrome. Right. I'm just thinking, would that offset if you were just stealing your fucking jokes? Like if Carlos Mencia had (laughs) was actually an imposter, he wouldn't have the imposter syndrome that we all feel. It's like, yeah, no, I'm cool with this. You guys have a fucking problem. You all think you're pieces of shit. I don't care. Right. That's like, um, well, that's like, what's his name? That guy, Mr. Brainwash, who, you know, because of the, do you know, do you know who that is? Mr. Brainwash? Have you heard of, you should look up this documentary about him. Um, he is, uh, so in the height of Banksy, the graffiti artist, you've heard of that guy, Banksy. Yeah. Um, in the height of Banksy comes this French photographer, 
uh, sculptist, what the fuck ever, named Mr. Brainwash. And he, for lack of a better word, is a literal ripoff artist. He takes other art that already exists. Oh, that documentary. Yes, yes. Yeah. And this guy is so fuck you about it that it's almost like nobody's mad. Like what you're talking about. He he is an imposter, but it ju- he, it's it's just part of who, what this is. It's like he literally re- he copied Andy Warhol shit to a T. It was the exact same thing. It was just a different color. It was like yellow or instead of red. And you're and he's open about it. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's Warhol did something similar." <laughs> You're like it's a, it's the same fucking thing, but he's so I don't give a shit about it that it's it's acceptable or something. I, it's it's hard to describe. In, in in any industry, including ours, look at the people that you just can't fuck with. Right, Joey right. Diaz. Right, you cannot fuck with that guy. No, no. <laughs> yeah. They Did I to... do that or not? What's it matter? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They tried to cancel him, and. Yeah. It was maybe the funniest thing. It's <laughs> the funniest thing. I said. I said to um, a friend of mine who was who's just uh, you know a guy from back in Chicago had said, I saw this thing about Joey Diaz and he's a fan of the comedy world, and I said, yeah, it's all bullshit. And he goes, they're really gonna try to cancel the guy whose catchphrase is like f- you know what's up cocksucker. I was like, yeah, that's so true. It's like how could you even make that? Like what's the approach? <laughs> like your honor. <laughs> this man's catchphrase is cocksucker like I, I really don't think you're gonna sneak in a violation of language to a guy who lives by no linguistic rules it's just i think it, i think it's really annoying that that's become even somewhat of a narrative in our business but i feel like it's going away i feel like less and less those voices matter when they say you can't believe what stanhope said it was so offensive i just don't believe that's as prominent as people make it out to be you know, I, I remember doing uh, Opie and Anthony. Yeah. And I was on and Dice was coming in and he came in like a fucking, you know, the, the Kool-Aid guy through a brick wall, <laughs> fucking on fire, spitting heat. Right. And then like, and Opie and Anthony don't even get in a word and he pulls out a cigarette and Opie just leans into the mic resigned and says, eh, Dice is going to smoke in the studio. Because they're like, yeah, you can't, you don't say no. At some right. level, you're like, fuck, yeah, it's dice. If I lit up a fucking cigarette, no, get out of here. <laughs> All right. Now, did you, what you referenced before, which was very nice about the Showtime documentary that, um, that that's out right now that I was a part of, that I'm happy to be a part of. It was, they did an incredible job telling the story. But did you, a lot of those guys that I admired as a kid or look up to or I was like fascinated by, like the Carl LeBeau story I talked about, about, um, when Kinnison died, I never knew that version of the story. I had heard a few different versions, but I didn't hear that one. And, you know, someone like Kinnison to me was this entity I could never wrap my head around. Like Dice kind of was closer to me, I, you know, in terms of I actually saw him more because Kinnison had died before I got really into comedy and was old enough. But Dice felt like this crazy, crazy intense character where I feel like guys from a little bit before were just bigger versions of themselves. Like Dice was a char- much of so much of a character, right? I mean, yeah. Did you know him well? No, no. I only I I didn't meet. That was the first time I met Dice that he recognized it was on Opie and Anthony. Right. 
Right. I was, you know, well ensconced. And he said, I, I saw you special. I thought it was funny. And then at some point I tried to chime in and tell him, like, he was the reason I started comedy. And I, and he goes, yeah, I already told you you're funny. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> he is, he is a fascinating story because, you know, I think about like comics that I loved when I was young versus what young people now would like as, and, and, I can't imagine the newest generation would have liked Dice. Do you know what I mean? Because times and, but it's just so, it's but it's wild to think that like. Comedy has very little shelf life. Oh, almost none. Almost none. Right? Like, do you ever go back? Do you ever go back and look at any of the, the, the specials that you did years ago or albums that you put out? And do you ever like fucking loathe the material or completely, completely disagree with what you were trying to push out or no? Uh, I went out, I was not, yeah, last summer, I believe it was, uh, or no, summer, but when I, I went out and I was just driving back roads of Arizona, forcing myself to listen to all of my specials that I put out, all my CDs. Right. And, uh, I, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's obviously bad parts, but I guess right. I, I dreaded it so much that I go, this isn't terrible. <laughs> You should. Pretty good. If you ever put out a greatest hits album, you sh it should be called "It's Not as Bad as I Thought It Was Going to Be." Because <laughs> <laughs> truly, I felt the same way of anything I've ever put down, and I haven't done a lot yet. You know, I'm 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 only in the game. What I don't know, thirteen years or something like that. And like, for me, I always admired when people like crafted something and then put it out. But now there's like a, a fucking rat race to put out as much shit as you can constantly. And it's hard for me because it was never, I was never good at that. And I never really, I don't know if I'll ever be good at that. But like, do you see that changing a lot too of like, everyone's trying to put out as much as they fucking can. And it's this weird clawing, you know? Yeah, I, I got caught up in that for a second and... And then I said, no, it's not necessary. What The thing is, when you see one of your peers that you respect rush something that they shouldn't have. Right. And you go, no, don't do that. Don't right. don't, don't follow that template. Right. If, fucking, you know, I was going to start naming names. No, no do it. No, do it. You can. Fuck it. You do it. No, but I know what you mean. Like, you, you just, a lot of people do. A lot of people do put out stuff before it's ready or a lot. I mean, the almighty dollar. Out, yeah, the, that was the one that I put out before it was ready was the one that was really cringeworthy when I was listening to all my shit. as uh the Oslo, the one I did in Norway. That I was actually, I was, I was the photographer that was taking the cover art for the CD I was about to release said, oh, I could film your show tonight and we could have a whatever camera shoot and my manager's just seeing, oh, we get a fucking free fucking video. I'm like, yeah. I'm just putting out, I haven't even released a CD. I'm filming a DVD and it was, it was sad because a lot of that shit got so much better. Right. Well, that's what, I mean, but don't you find that that's... A hang on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're good. You're good. Yeah. I, this is Bingo. She's the uh, my wife that doesn't ever remember that I'm doing a podcast, but keeps calling in. <laughs> Say hi to Andrew, Bingo. Okay, bye-bye now. <laughs> that couldn't have been. That couldn't have been more of a well-communicated feeling on both sides. <laughs> that was. Well, it's it's well rehearsed because right. for, for years now. 
We're podcasting, so don't call. I'll call you. Right. I love 20 that. Twenty minutes in. Ding dong. Hey, I've got a request. Uh, do you do you feel like um, you're at a place now where because of this all this bullshit, because all this fucking COVID shutting down everything and blah blah blah, do you feel like you're at a place now where when we come back, you're excited to go back, or you're kind of pensive about? When it all comes I, I, back. I, I honestly, I was not until I watched that the Rogan episode. Wow! And I, I was, I, I fucking yeah. texted Rogan. I said, if if I was as inspired all the time as I am right now, I'd be fucked because it means I'd have to get off the couch. <laughs> and then I mean, he, I mean, he texted me back this morning, and you started to get into this. I looked and I saw that he texted. I still have not read it because I. I when you were talking about we all start as fucking bottom feeders like yeah. rogue is at a place now where i'm uncomfortable to talk to him like <laughs> i don't want nothing i'm just saying hi and stuff right well he knows that i mean look i i've he, i've gotten so close with joe and joe took me on the road a couple of years ago to open for him and got a taste of the of that life of like you know i play clubs and small baby theaters and for the first time in my life, I played a fucking massive theater with him. And then we played arenas. And I will say, uh, as, as, as phony as this might sound, I've never met a guy personally that successful in our business who still is a guy to me, who doesn't, who feels fucking normal to some degree, to whatever normal fucking means. But he doesn't ever do that thing where you're like, oh, he's, He's bigger than big. You know, like I imagine Kevin Hart yeah, hel- oh, helicopters he's, in. And- he's never been anything but that guy to me. But at the same time, the bigger he gets, there's too many of those guys. Yeah. Where, where I, my manager's like, oh, call Rogan. When I had the, uh, the new book come out and, uh, and the special. And I'm like, I'm not calling him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that we that, that's our reaction. But the truth is he would he would always take a phone call from you. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's like, but I'm also you know, afraid of rejection enough yeah. that if he said, no, I just can't have you on. People don't seem to like you. <laughs> I would take, I'd rather not call. That sounds like pro- projection, not rejection. That sounds like you going, people don't fucking like me. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? That's just, I do the same thing of like, I set myself up, uh, to fuck myself over so I'm not so I don't have to have it done to me. You know what I mean? It's like I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll fuck myself. You don't need to fuck me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a self-defense mechanism. But totally. it works. But but do you find that you like when you did his show or whatever, did you feel negative vibes? Like did you think people didn't like you because of it cuz that's not true? Didn't like me because of what? When you did his show, I'm saying like the last time you did a show. Oh, no, I'm saying what if he said that? I'd rather not call him than have right. him tell me some awful truth or yeah. not return my call at all or something. Right, right, right. I, no, I feel I get it. And also, you know, he made $100 million. I feel like if he did cut me out of his life, I'd understand. I'd go, sure, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not worth it anymore. I understand. I know what I am. I'm fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm down here and you're up there. I told him, I said, as soon as you get that that check, you better not start dabbling in the dark, the darkness of fucking 
those kind of people. I just feel like the moment you get a hundred million dollars, they're like, all right, so we have this basement of children. <laughs> this is like that's the next stage when you get that insanely rich. I just feel like it's it's a part of like this creepy system that exists. He won't he wouldn't stop working long enough. Right. Right. He's it's true. He's, he he threatened to come down here. <laughs> he goes, I really you gotta come down and visit you, buddy. I really I, he would hate it here. Because you see what I'm doing right now? That's what I do all day unless I'm sleeping. Yeah, but a couch. Maybe it's a good, maybe it'd be a good shift for someone like him who's like a, you know, like you've had so many guys go down there and hang out. Like uh, Shane Gillis was just down there hanging out. And like, do people just come down? Shane can fucking hang out. Shane can just sit in the guest house and you won't see him until 530 at night and he comes out in his fucking sweatpants. Right. And it's very, he, he doesn't need to be amused. Right. I would have to fucking. I have a stray puppy in there with a fucking cone on its head. He's like fucking this giant fucking Doberman fucking puppy that I've had for a week. I took it as a stray. My dog hates it. My fucking cat won't come back. And all he does <laughs> is jump around. He's as tall as me. He kicks me in the fucking back of the head with his front paws. And uh, yeah, a week of that. Like, that's what Rogan would be like to me. Right. To have right. Rogan down here. Well, let's go check out that. You want to go? Yeah, let's go you want to shoot guns yeah we'll go shoot guns right yeah joe rogan would be a fucking restless puppy down here <laughs> do you how many people come down because you I, I heard you i've heard you talk about this before you used to have more of like a the open door theory if that's even the phrase but like people would come down more often are you getting less and less into people coming to visit or no um it's always been the same like you if if i'm in the mood as walking that stupid fucking dog the other morning and I'm on a small side street and I hear a car behind me going real slow. I'm like, ah, it's a fan. (laughs) No reason to slow down for me. (laughs) Uh, Like there's a couple and they said, Hey, they were like professors. Uh, And they said, I just want to say big fans. We just took some pictures of your house. I go, I was just grabbing my dog, you know, meet me back at the house and we'll take pictures inside. And, had a Bailey's and coffee in the morning and and they were on their way. And that's, yeah, that's because I was in the mood and they happened to see me. Most people just show up and take some pictures. And if we happen to see them and we're on the patio and we're in the mood, yeah, fuck it. Come on in. Right. And it's, yeah, it, it ain't close to, it ain't close to anywhere. And there's not that many people that want to fucking meet me. Right. Like when you do go, I thought about this the other day, when you go, when you are going out on the road, how 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 inconvenient is it to get home? Does it take you a long time to get back from the road or no? It's an hour and 45 minutes from my house to the uh, one stoplight in between my house and an hour and 45 minutes to where you exit for the airport. Wow. So it's like living in fucking L.A. Which, which is beats fucking trying to guess L.A. traffic and fucking honk now. No. Nobody desert is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, it's much better. I was I'm, all joking aside. I said it's like living in L.A., but truthfully, tr- that's why so many people right now are leaving L.A. Because a lot of comics, a they feel like they don't need to be here anymore at this point in the world, and also at some point, everyone that was traveling got so sick of having to do that L.A. thing that they're like, "Fuck it, I'd rather start in the middle of the country where I can get other places much easier." And I feel it. You know, I talked to Tom Segura the other day and, you know, they're they're going to be going down to Austin as well. And 
I get it. It's just easier to get everywhere. And this has become such a weird burden now out here, you know? So I understand uh, it. Austin's probably in my top five worst traffic cities in America. Yeah, it's insane down there too. I like, I, I mean, because you have to take the thirty-five. There's no yes. fucking surface street. You're right. stuck on that miserable fucking. Well, that's what yeah, I, I've always said. That. Almost a <laughs> lateral move to L.A. They already think yeah. they're fucking cooler than they are. Right. It is. It's the same. It's the same. It feels similar to Los Angeles. That's that's why I always said it's like what's going to happen even more is. LA shit is going to move down there, right? Like the LA thing, you know, whatever's happening up here already is going to go down there. So what happened to the Las Vegas strip. Yeah. I just saw the strip for the, I go to Vegas a bit, but I'd never stayed on the strip and I stayed in the heart of it and it's fucking grotesque. It's a long mall. Like yeah, you can't gross. even get to the sidewalk in places. No, it's so gross. Well, when you go, when you go to Vegas, are you at all, do you at all play? Do you gamble at all, or no? You don't fuck with any of that. No, I last I gambled was uh, September fourth, I think, of last year. I went right. to uh, the Impractical Jokers had a, a bachelor party there. I guess that's not a secret anymore. I wasn't supposed to tell, but it's, yeah, it's out. It's out now. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so I went there, and uh, I was really pissed off. Uh, as I usually am yeah. when I leave Vegas and the, yeah. all the elevators went out. And I'm, so I, I got a uh, bingo upstairs and I can't get to her and I was fucking angry. And so I just sat down and I put a hundred bucks and I, I won five grand on a poker machine sitting there waiting Shut for a the fucking fuck elevator up. to come back on. That's and I go, yeah, I haven't gambled since smart man. I mean, I feel like comics, are all addicts to some degree, you know, it's like, uh, we all are, you know, it depends on what the addiction is. Just before I forget, I do uh, bet on sports, but that's sure. Different. No, I don't mean that. Yeah. That to me is way different. I think and $10 yeah. bets. Yeah. No, I don't. That to me is different. I think sitting at a table and doing that thing, I think comics are addicts of all kinds. Sports end. Yeah. Sports are over at some point that, that they don't close the fucking table. Roulette, roulette, poker, all that shit never stops. I never got into it. No, I know. You know, I, I used to play cards and then I realized it was really strange. I was at a friend's house in like a tournament, you know, and it, I never was into high stakes stuff because I'm such a pussy about money. I never grew up with a lot of money. So now that I have a little bit, I'm like afraid they're going to fucking take it from me in the middle of the night. So I never am a guy that's like, yeah, fucking, I got no big game. But, um, I was sitting at the table looking around and for something, I might have, must have been the booze, but it just hit me. Uh, I just didn't give a fuck anymore. I was like, I don't, I don't even really like doing this that much. Like the camaraderie is fun, but I'd rather do that not thinking about this game, you know? Yeah. Uh, when I didn't need the payoff was when yes. it became boring. Right. I didn't start gambling with the amount of like I've always been a, a skimpy gambler, but I'll do it fucking voraciously and stay. It's, it's like cocaine; it, it's the exact same feeling as cocaine. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then when I didn't need the reward, uh, what am I doing this for? Right. It feels. It with feels a thousand dollars. I have a thousand dollars. Yeah. That I had. That's not earmarked for anything. Right. Like there's a thousand dollars that just sits there. Why would you? That's the uh, that's the same way I feel like uh, at a sporting event when they shoot out a t-shirt cannon and people fucking 
claw each other's eyeballs for it. I'm always like Berg's joke. Yeah, it's like well, you're wearing t-shirts. Berg's joke about handing out flyers. Right. I hate people handing out flyers. It's like they're saying, "Here, you you throw this away." Yeah. <laughs> sure it is that says right. fucking Bob's Auto or Jaeger right. It just it just feels so. It's like I always was mind. It was just mind bending. Is like people are fist fighting for a t-shirt they will never fucking value or wear. It feels the same when you gamble. You're like, this is meaningless as fuck. You know? No, until you see the guy wearing one. <laughs> Get that out of a fucking t-shirt. t-shirt Anna. Anna. <laughs> yeah. I He's ain't like, never yeah, won man. nothing in my life. <laughs> you ain't taking this away from me, Stan Hope. I'm fucking wearing this shirt, pal. Yeah, I feel like the emptiness. I grabbed it from your face. <laughs> I wasn't trying to catch it. I needed this shirt. I wanted this shirt. In fact, you know what I did? Speaking of which, uh, I caught a foul ball at a baseball game that bounced off of the the dugout of the opposing team. And I had the ball, and I thought, this is what a cool fucking thing. I got this foul ball. And then I saw a kid, and I just gave it to him because I thought, what am I going to do with this fucking foul ball? Like, the kid was so excited. I just, I just like had this out of body experience of like, what am I going to place this in my fucking house somewhere? Where would it go? And who cares? In, in my, in my thrift store pile, we have a, we used to have a baseball team, like not even semi pro under pro, but they'd play every summer down three blocks away. And we'd always go down and so, uh, make assholes of ourselves and heckle. And, right. But we're about the only people that would go to games we had a big wrecking crew and they autographed one team autographed the baseball, all the players at the end of the season for us. And uh, yeah, it's in a thrift store pile. I kept that like, well, they signed it for us. Right. And I won't, it's been in a crawl space for nine years and I never thought about it. It's always one of my best parts of COVID has been organizing and getting rid of shit that I never use. What's the, what's the most, What's the most like uh, uh, surprising thing that you were like bought it, was invested in it, loved it, or whatever, and you were like, "Fuck it, I got a, I don't, we didn't even, we never used it, we threw it away, or you gave it away." Oh, uh, one that I cared about. I'd have to think about that. I remember buying. I I would get, you know, airplane drunk is the best drunk, and yeah. uh, there was always a Brookstone on my layover in, in <laughs> Minneapolis or in Atlanta. Sure. And I, I would go in there drunk and I'd buy, I bought, I never used it. I never figured out. It was this giant podcast player that was like waterproof. And, and it, like, I think there was a picture of it in a pool or something on the box. And I, <laughs> I, so yeah, that sat around for years because I spent like 200 bucks on it or something. And never. And use I go, it. someone. I don't even know. I don't even know how to use an iPod. <laughs> so, <laughs> but someone will want to use this, and it never get used. When you so the thrift store pile, is it? It's it's like is it being compiled now to like just get rid of all that shit? And you're gonna have? Are you gonna get? What are you gonna do with it? You're gonna have people come and buy shit? No, no. I just drop it at the thrift store. Anything of value. We do eBay yard sale. We've been done uh, for years, but we usually do it all. All this shit at once. Like, how many fucking posters of yourself do you need Oof. that are well? Yeah, someone will actually enjoy this rather than right. me after thirty years still having to collect fucking memorabilia. It is. It is creepy. In my closet, when we moved, 
I had like uh, uh, pins. They were like shirt pins that a graphic designer friend made for me. And I was like, why do I still have a box? I should just give these to people. My wife was like, just fucking give those to people. What the fuck are you going to do with those things? Like, what a, what an insane thing to have for no reason. She was like, someone will like them. Give yeah, it away. Well, a fan, uh, if, if it's if it's noteworthy of your career, a yeah. fan will like it. So Of course. Yeah, yeah. So we're Now we're doing one item a week. I think Black Friday, we might put out a bunch of shit that ends on Black Friday. But right. I found a ton of that shit because I get a lot of free time and all this stuff that you think you'll never get to. Fuck the crawl space. Right. I went through the crawl space. I found you know, report cards from when I was a kid. Holy shit! Were you were you good Were you good at, Were you good at school as a kid? No, no, I was uh, I, I, I was bad at some stuff, but I just wasn't uh, into it. So See, I just I, left. It, I, I just waited till I was old enough to leave. But I feel like most comics may have been bad students, but were actually actually smart, but just school was fucking impossible. I was a fucking, I was a bright kid. Yeah, see? That's what I mean, is like, I guarantee you, you could have been what is an exemplary student, but it's just, school is hard for the way that our brains work. It's really difficult. Well, if they had the classes that I was interested in. Right, that's exactly right. Algebra. <laughs> the fuck yeah it's a nightmare like they it, who would do that on purpose when i learned well i think when i learned uh, when i learned that like i went to college and i went for journalism and english i learned that it was like oh i'm only taking three classes but it, they're only things that i give a fuck about that i have genuine interest in and i became like a good student like my 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 dad was like holy fuck are you doing good in school i was like yeah i'm it's like the thing I like, you know, like I was a fuck up in high school because it was so boring or unamusing or uninteresting. I was just so like, yeah. it was like this vapid wasteland of information. And of course, the way that our minds are working, I'm trying to find the comedy and how bored I am and fucking shit on things. So inevitably, I was a terrible student. able to tell the teacher, hey, tell me how to do this. Right. <laughs> teacher should be... Hey, I hired you, lady. <laughs> yeah, they should be plug and play. Here's what I here's here's what I want to know about. It. And if you oh. have to look at a YouTube video and then tell me about it, that's what I want to know how to do. <laughs> Teachers should should be human Google. We should just be able to ask them, and they should find out for us. That's it. It should be just like a that's that's the give and take. Because I I never I never understood this system of putting kids through this ringer of information that. They don't give a fuck about it, and it's not engaging at all. Like my, you know, our nieces are, they're young and they're going through the um, Zoom learning or whatever. And I was like, if it wasn't hard enough for kids to not give a fuck about school, now they can do it on a computer and definitely not give a fuck about school. It becomes, you know. Fucking Google should be school. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Give a kid a computer. Yeah. He's going to figure it out. In here, we pour whiskey. whiskey. Big drinkers out there, whiskey ginger drinkers. I know a lot of people that listen to the show like the sauce, just like I. Uh, And the next day, you don't feel so good. Halloween's coming up. If you're partying, you got to have something to help you out the next day. DHM Detox is phenomenal. I've talked about them before, man. No Days Wasted is here to help you maximize life's moments. Those over 
feeling bummed about the day after drinking, you got to try this stuff. DHM Detox is the vitamin for people who like to enjoy drinks. Tens of thousands of people are using DHM Detox as their drinking buddy. Um, enjoy your drinks. Forget the Sunday series and feeling like garbage. Take two capsules all right, after your first couple of drinks and it goes to work. If you want to take more, you can double down. DHM Detox uses science to help boost your body's natural response to alcohol and help break down the toxins. All right, they're easy to share with friends and family, simple to hand out. They're very safe. Uh, They've just launched their new hydration replenisher with immune support, which is incredible, especially because everyone's feeling a little yick right now. Delicious watermelon lemonade electrolyte drink to help you maximize, rehydrate, and help support your immune system with vitamin C, D, and zinc. It's legit. You need that stuff. Hydration, anytime, morning, evening, exercise, travel, paired perfectly with DHM Detox. Honestly, it is good. I've tried it. I do love this stuff. As the day gets uh, shorter and colder, make sure you're thinking about your immune system and hydration replenishers here to give you that much-needed boost. They've got a uh, No Days Wasted has a risk-free purchase, so if you're not satisfied, give you your money back. It's a no-brainer. Try it out. What do you got to lose? At the very least, you know, they'll give you a refund if you're not happy. I've got 20% off your first order and free shipping in the United States. Just head over to nodayswasted.co slash whiskey. Use the promo code whiskey at the checkout. That's nodayswasted.co slash whiskey. That promo, as always, is whiskey. I like gingers. So are you, um, I'm asking you because we're in the, obviously in the middle of this World Series now. Are you a big, uh, are you a a baseball fan or you don't give a fuck? Two on Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, baby. There it is. That's Sky Reezy. Yeah. So you, so. Uh, no, I'm not a baseball fan at all, but no. uh, it was when sports came back, we have it on all the time. Whatever sports are going, we always have it on in the fun house. But actually, I kind of got into baseball since it was all it was on for a minute. Right, right. Did you when you grew up, you're you're an East Coast guy, you're Massachusetts, right? Did you grow up with sports influence? Because that's everyone over there is a fucking sport head. I was uh, I was the iconoclast. I, even if I didn't give a fuck about the sport, I hated the local team. So I, <laughs> yeah, I hated the Celtics. Right. And, you know, I'd root for whoever they were playing against uh, until I left. And once I, I left and moved to LA in '85, so that was at the height of you know Bird and Magic. Wow. And that, then all of a sudden, I was a Celtics fan. So. Do you give a fuck now at all? Do you have any allegiance whatsoever? Well, I always have a favorite team. I think it's very important to have a favorite team, even sure. if you don't like the sport. Right. I'm a Wolverhampton Wolves fan. Nice. That was a good gig. Right. And, uh, I, I don't know who's in the new XFL, but I was a Las Vegas Outlaws <laughs> fan of the original XFL. You could have a favorite. Uh, but yeah, I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. Oh, Nobody nice. else is. In no Arizona. one else. I know. Well, when I was leaving Arizona, they were building that new stadium in Glendale. Because uh, when I was in school, they used to play at ASU. They still shared uh, ASU Stadium with you know with the college, and it was fucking great because the remnants of that a pro football team in our in our college stadium, they still could serve beer. So a the lot improv of improv was across the street, right across the street. I yeah. always looked at that stadium thinking that would be one of the coolest stadiums to be in. And I it never was, went. It was awesome, man. It was, and, and we would, you could go watch a pro football game for the same price as a fucking college game. I mean, it was, you know, cause the Cardinals have always been the Cardinals. So like we would go there for $10 student tickets and get blacked out of our minds and be right on our campus. It was, it was so much I, fun. I've, uh, I've been to uh, only a, a few football games, but enough 
to know that no matter what the seats, you'd prefer to be a cardboard cutout. <laughs> Football live is the most fucking tedious <laughs> thing ever. Uh, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's better to be at home. Watch at home with your friends and you're bullshitting during the commercial breaks and during the timeouts and during the fucking, you know, kickoff that's not going to get right. returned. <laughs> when you have to watch that shit without fucking conversation or distractions and you have to walk fucking three stories for a beer, fuck that. <laughs> it is It's severely inconvenient. My favorite live, uh, I've always said, if you've never seen Hockey Live, go see Hockey Live. Hockey Live to me is the fucking best. Hockey Live to me trumps every fucking sport. Yeah, it does yeah, by far. Yeah. It's um, it's yeah, obviously baseball because you don't care. Yeah, baseball is ba- baseball. I've seen the most of, but it's not. It's just because I go to baseball games on the road when I'm alone. You know, sometimes I'll always take a feature to the game with me if my friend Chris goes, but. Um, if I if I if I'm with somebody that doesn't give a fuck, I'll go by myself because it's a sport where you don't even have to be there to be there. You know, you can I can have I can have a couple beers and nothing really matters and come and go whenever the fuck I want. It, it feels like a bar. It does. It really does. It is. It's a big fucking bar that happens to have a little bit of action every. There's a titty minutes. bar. My favorite titty bar. The only one that I'd actually still go to is Mary's in Portland. It's mm. on the corner of Burnside and Broadway, and uh, it's like a corner pub that just happens to have some fucking suicide girls mm-hmm. playing the jukebox and getting completely naked. But you can just sit there and talk, and it's that's what baseball is like. It's, oh, we right. can look over there at the game if we get <laughs> you know, run out of shit to say to each other. Portland that's does. why it's on in here, in case Port- we run out of in shit case to, run say. Out of shit. to say. Yeah, we'll flip it around. Portland has that... Um... Portland has that they've the way that they've done strip clubs is fucking phenomenal. It's impressive as shit because they're they're really just unique bars. You know what I mean? They're not like a strip club in L.A. is a typical L.A. bullshit strip club, and they're all the same. But for some reason, uh, Portland has found a way to make it so cool to just hang out there and not really be involved. You know? The the yeah the first one I went to I was when I was living out of my car. And some fans from the show said, oh, you can crash at our place. And they said, oh, tomorrow they have the fucking like $7 steaks at where, wherever mm-hmm. Tinny Bar. And they were so serious. It's the best steak ever. You're going to love – like they completely didn't care about the Titty Bar aspect right. of it. This is like a fucking good steak. <laughs> I bet you it was, though. I bet you like that's they've yeah, made it, they've made it not – Or into yeah, it's it's more casual. Or you go look at those tits, <laughs> right? Which is what most restaurants should start adopting. By the way, if you do get bored, they should just have tits roaming around restaurants. You know, bu- Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> the same way they used to put like uh, trivia questions on sugar packets. So if you were on a date and you needed something to talk about, right, to stare down. Actually, isn't that a? I think that's a that's a scene from uh, Monty Python, Meaning of Life, isn't it? Where is death it? comes at the end. Oh yeah, and he's oh right, 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 they're right. Having dinner and they're reading like Trivial Pursuit cards or something. Right, you're a big you're a big Python guy, huh? I was when I was a kid, and yeah, yeah. It, to me, it was like uh, my first introduction to when I was young, what I called smart comedy. When I was a kid, I was like, this is what smart comedy is. I I, I learned the National Lampoon magazine. 
Yeah, that that see, I wasn't. I, I'm I'm 37, and the the magazine wasn't our generation. Like, but I I hear that it kind of shaped how so many comics grew up with this newfound freedom of like insane off the wall fucking whatever comedy that didn't exist. Yeah, no, it was definitely an in an, an influence. Yeah, I I think uh, when I first saw. Monty, I learned about why I kind of got turned on by British humor was because it was always dark and smart alecky and snarky and a little condescending, but also like they were making fun of you, but they were also making fun of them. And I was always impressed by that about British comedy that, you know, a lot of times American comedy was such a rock star mentality. And it was so the opposite for them, which is why I fucking horned out on them for years because I just was fascinated by the idea of like, you could be self-deprecating, but also shit on the person right in front of your face. This uh, this would have been when I found Monty Python and National Lampoon uh, pretty much predated stand-up. Like yeah. stand-up was starting to grow at that point. So it was like 77 it would have been. Right. But it was just the, the but it was just the era of what comedy was to come, right? Or what was what was to be this the larger form of sketch and 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 comedic film and group comedic groups that started to grow from that, you know? Yeah, I I, I remember growing up, my mother loved the Carol Burnett show, right? And I would try to stay up for ten o'clock on Saturday night. I'm going to stay up all night tonight, and I'd always fall asleep. But I also didn't find it funny, right? Because it well, it was it probably wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. No, it, it, but but I liked watching people around me laugh. Right, right. <laughs> found better shit, and then you know, well, when Saturday I was a kid, Night Live and its heyday was yeah, and now it's a and when you you're that age, show. you're fucking eleven years old or something. Yeah, Saturday Night Live can be funny for every generation if you don't grow up. Totally, totally. When it when, fucking horrible show. When it was in its when it was in its moment for me as a kid, it was untouchable. But then I think, do kids now think it's untouchable the way that I did? And it's just because I'm older and I'm not a part of it. I can't imagine any kid liking Saturday Night Live. <laughs> now it's their parents' Oldsmobile. It's fucking off. It's fucking off. Like every few years, I couldn't name you one cast member in the last fucking twenty years on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Uh, maybe two, uh, right, right. but I'll, I'll, I'll record it and then I'll watch it. And I, I never get past like three sketches and like, this is fucking jaw dropping, fucking awful. <laughs> Do you want, you, you still watch it? Trump's biggest war crime is making that show relevant <laughs> in the news uh, yeah. for a second. I said that I said somewhere in his dark cave, Lauren Michaels is counting money and writing thank you letters to Trump because it reinvigorated that show. It made that show. It like I know he owes him everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't care for the image of kids in cages either, but uh, <laughs> now I don't want to fucking see who's playing. A, I don't even know the elected official anymore. I could care less so much. And uh, I watched the Bill Burr one because yeah, you have to. Yeah. It's Bill Burr, and yeah. he did fine. And his sketch was fine, and but then everything, just like the cliche stereotype of that show, it goes like eight times too long. All right, 
that, that could that could have worked if you stopped right after the first time you did the punchline. <laughs> it's like a um uh, a mu- a musical comic, you know, like when they read the first chorus, you're like, "That's the punch," and then you're like, "You're gonna you're gonna do it again." We j- I already heard it. I j- you just told it to yeah, me. Yeah, it's fucking so fucking lazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> there was a guy speaking of musical comics. There was a guy named. St- Stephen Lynch. Do you remember him? Only because uh, he toured with Hedberg. I, I, I remember downloading some of his shit from Napster. I believe. Same. Yeah, same. Same. Uh, and uh, rape, rape a baby, rape yes. a baby, rape yes. a baby. Hey, that's like people who fucking like, I'll respond. My fans try to emulate me and a lot of times do it poorly. Right. So they'll just put, you know, cunt retard faggot or whatever into a <laughs> sentence right with like yeah you've used three bad words i get it right find right. them but there's no joke there at all right 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 with uh, no but Stephen lynch his songs i remember going it's just saying the same over and over right over and over that was this that was the thing i so learned it was kind of biased because he toured with hedberg co-headlining chaley was the tour manager uh and uh they they didn't get along and hedberg was my friend so yeah he was um i mean this is a he was my i saw him at the tempe improv when i was in school and it was his second or third to last show before he went uh east and passed away because he passed away on the east coast right oh fuck i thought you were talking about Stephen lynch no 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 he's still alive he's here now Stephen. Um, <laughs> no, when, when Mitch, Mitch, Mitch did a show and I remember, dude, I remember so vividly, I was so fucking excited. The girl I was seeing at the time, she couldn't give a fuck about comedy. And it was my, it, be, it was like my secret disgusting obsession because I didn't admit that I wanted to be a comedian yet, but I was obsessed. And I was like, you got it. When this guy Mitch comes, you'll have to see you like, this will be fucking comedy. I know you'll like this. And if you don't like this you know, I'll, I'll fucking kill you where you stand. And, <laughs> and I remember going and being just, I don't know, man, like the, the, the fanship of me, like kind of took the moment into like this extremely memorable, wonderful, incredible comedy night for me. And then to learn a week, maybe two weeks later, he had passed away was, uh, it was a mind fuck. And to be honest, was part of the reason why I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to do stand-up. I mean, his death was almost like the reason that I was, because I was scared of moving to L.A. Uh, I was like, I can't fucking move to L.A., dude. I was in Phoenix. I was in Phoenix going to school. And I thought I was just going to go back to Chicago. And I was like, I can't, I I don't have any money. I don't know. L.A. is filled with people that I know nothing about. And it was, when he died, a friend of mine was like, you should really just go try that stand-up thing that you love so fucking much. And I think that was part of the impetus, not the only thing, but part of it was me going, fuck it, man. Like, whatever. I, I you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm either going to go back to Chicago and get a job doing construction because that's for sure what my intellectual level was going to allow me. I couldn't get an office job. I was like, I can do stuff with my hands. But I was like, I, either that or I'll just go try it at least. So that was part of the reason. Yeah, he, he was a, a big part of the reason that I left L.A., his death. Yeah. Oh, you, when we, when he died, you, 
you were done. Uh, huh? like, I, I don't want to do anything that they have to offer here. I just want right. to do the road. Right. And Get did the you fuck out of here? I hated that place for 10 years and never <laughs> thought to leave. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So many yeah. people that move here, we hate it. And yet, you're this magnet to stay. It's like you're forced. Well, I to would stay. always get like uh, every time I thought to leave, I would get some like fucking carrot. Uh, you do this pilot; it, it pays like twenty five grand. Probably right. never get picked up, but you know, do it. And so I, well, you know, and then I did the math on it, which is my worst subject. And I go <laughs> for all this shit. I keep staying around just for the fucking free, easy money. What I'm spending is fucking outrageous compared to what I, anywhere I wanted to live that I liked a hundred percent would be way less money. That would add up to all these fucking stupid projects you get in LA that you don't even want to do. Right. Just do the road. You get a dog. Right. And you do the road and get a fucking dog. I, I got a dog out here to supplement. Uh... Hey, this is a good breaking point. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but uh, I got to do, I got to read my uh, sponsors. Will you pour another fucking drink? Cause you set yeah. this out. I think we're off well, the air. Which, I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt drink you because I don't want to drink alone, and you've not touched <laughs> the fucking drink. I think well, I'm, I'm done. I've been sipping on ice. Hold on one second. I didn't want to interrupt you to get another. Give me that ad drink. copy. Hang on, I do actually have ad copy, and this is some goofball. He's in the ninth district in Michigan. Hey, ninth district in Michigan, listeners, are you voting? It's time for you to vote. And if you're in the ninth district, my fellow Americans, Congress sucks. In 2010, the Democrats were in power, and Congress had an approval rating of only 17%. In 2018, the Republicans had control of Congress, and their rating was only 18%. So it's time for you to just say no to Congress and defund politicians. It's time to vote for American hero Mike Saliba. Mike Saliba believes in legalizing all of the things. He believes in pansexual family units protecting their LSD labs with 3D printed machine guns. Mike Saliba will just say no to Congress and vote no on all bills that don't increase American freedom and defund politicians paid for by the commission to elect Mike Saliba. And we're back with this show. Andrew, <laughs> you look a lot Cheers. more comfortable now. I Cheers am. To you. I am very much. Who, uh, Mike Saliba. That was a Mike Saliba ad? Yeah. You know, for our ninth district of Michigan uh, Congress voters mm -hmm. that want to vote for someone who mentions LSD and pansexual families and 3D machine gun printers. Which, which is all some of my favorite stuff, I guess. I mean, that all kind of adds up. I think a lot of my ninth district people would uh, <laughs> Google, search where the ninth district is. Yeah, I don't even know where that is. Yeah, you might, you probably do. Thicker than you imagine, by the way. Did you, where's Michigan, the place? Michigan, we did, last year we did, what did we do, like seven towns in Michigan? Uh I fucking love Michigan. Yeah. Where did you, what, what do you play when you do that? Do you do just like, 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 do you do music clubs? It depends. That one, well, we did so many. We were in places I've, I'd never been, like uh, Traverse City. Yeah, Traverse City. Some bar and uh, some, uh, I don't fucking know. But uh, I, I, I switch, I, I don't have a lot of standards in Michigan except for the machine shop in Flint. Fucking crazy! Every time I've played there, it's uh, it's fucking. I I had a guy thrown out like in the first three minutes. A guy rushed the stage. Yeah, I hadn't even said anything offensive, much less good evening. And this guy's like, <laughs> th 
thrown right out the side door and you just roll with it and it what's your what is that your is that your favorite way to do it is to hit a bunch of cities in a place and just do like night after night after night after night and do one show a night well uh, when when we're driving yeah 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 and, and we can map it out it's a it's a fun drunk game all right what what if we just did this whole because i haven't been to the upper peninsula of michigan since i was a fucking kid well i mean the kid comic right. uh so yeah, let's. When you're drinking, a lot of those ideas, you go, "Oh, that'd be fun to be in the Upper Peninsula," and then you're there and you're not drunk, right. and you go, "It's how long to the next time? Six and a half hours." It's a nightmare. I book this, and you have no one to blame but your drunk self. <laughs> but you two never meet. <laughs> yeah, you never get to meet that guy. But you do. You do. Uh, you do have moments of like flashback of him, and. Uh, it is a little disappointing, you guys. Yeah, I remember. Like I, like I have these moments of flashbacks to uh, when I was so fucked up in Arizona, and I used to go to a place called Filibertos. They made they made my favorite burritos, breakfast burritos. I still go. Oh, I fucking love Philly bees. And yes, and being so shit faced and eating Philly bees, I would eat it. It's so weird. I would get drunk and I would eat it somewhere. I would like hide. I don't. I, I don't know why, but I'd like hide like underneath a an apartment um overhang like a balcony but it was just comforting for some reason and maybe maybe it was my internal being like if you die at least you know you're in like a cove where they can find you <laughs> i don't want to die with the burrito like on the main road i want to die kind of tucked away so but those th- those flashes of uh I have, like, a, I have a friend uh, she was a she was a pretty bad drunk yeah and she said that once she got really shit faced, she would hide her keys from herself to punish her sober self in the morning. <laughs> I go, oh, I, w- I wish that was my story. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a punishment. It's a polar opposite for me. I try to set myself up to win the next day. I'm always like, let's do this. So tomorrow, so I find stuff when I get drunk that I'm like, oh, look at that. I set that up. So I will brush my teeth when I wake up. I didn't do it before I fell asleep or passed the fuck out, but I put the toothbrush near the toothpaste near my bed to go, hey. Nice. Yes. Too tired yeah, to no, do you it. learn those tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'll sleep naked to remind myself to bathe. Yeah, I sleep I never, naked. I never take my clothes off. So if I, if I wake <laughs> up naked alone... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to shower. Oh, bath time. That's right. <laughs> you know, you have to shower. I you know what? I said this. I started sleeping naked during the pandemic uh or a little bit before the shit started and now I'll never go back. I used to I used to, you know, sleep with shorts on or something. And now I sleep naked. It's the be- the best thing I've ever done. You know, Honestly. I uh I don't have uh hair uh past my mid calf. Because right. all growing up uh, as a teenager, I would just sleep in my clothes and my socks. And that's back when you had the 70s socks that went, went all the way up. up. Yeah. Yeah. So I still don't grow hair there. <laughs> you don't. You, why did you sleep in your clothes when you were young? I'm just too lazy to fucking take them off. Take them the same off. reason I sleep in my clothes now. You do. You sleep fully clothed. Now I, I, I live in pajamas. Right. Same. But you will you sleep? Will you sleep fully clothed for real? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, not fully clothed is usually a pajama-like outfit. Yeah. I either wear the stupid suits I wear on stage, 
or I'm in pajamas. What to, what was the now? I I could be way wrong, and I I don't know what I'm talking about. But when I always saw the way that you wore suits on stage, that were usually throwbacks, you know, old school suits. Yeah, seventies vintage plaid. Is it is it your answer to the suit era, or is it just just because? No, you are? Uh, it actually started young. But when I was a telemarketer, my mother because we dress up. We always went thrift store shopping, right? And we'd find goofy shit for funny. And so she would ship me back before it was vintage. This is, you know, late, late 80s. It wasn't cool to have fucking 70s polyester. Right. Uh, and she'd send me these jackets she found for, a, I got it for a quarter. And I, <laughs> we'd make the other, the, the, the new guys in the telemarketing office wear them and tell them it was the trainee's uniform. So right. I was always fond of those. And I'd always wear those around occasionally as a goof. Right. But uh, I liked wearing... I, anytime I used to wear a fucking Santa hat year round for a year. No reason. When I was just a kid. Because. Yeah. Just because. But well, I realized when I started like committing to those suits, it was like when you get too fucking bloviating and angry, being dressed like half a clown helps take the edge off of when you're screaming and yelling. Right. Right. When you're, when you're, when you're, when you're, uh, really laying into fucking hard, real shit. It, it softens the mood when they see you in something flowery and puffy from 1976. Yeah. And I fucking love putting outfits together. I'm gay as fuck when it comes to me and Chaley, he's my tour manager and my producer here. Yeah. yeah we dress in the you know same shit on the road and we're fixing each other's <laughs> collars and no, oh, that tie. Do, do, do the dark shirt with the fucking weird tie. <laughs> yes, that's good. Do you kiss? You got to kiss before you go on stage. Fucking... What's that? You got to kiss before you go on stage. You have to just a little smooch. That's how you say you look good. You look good. Little kiss, kiss, and then move on. It's not. It's not uncommon. Right. Right. As you must. I feel like because I, what I, I, what I loved about you wearing those vintage suits was that. To me, that's why I asked you about it because I was always blown away by guys that wore suits because of Carson. I think because they did this thing where it's like you got to wear a suit when you did Carson. And then when people were doing any sort of TV, they would dress up. And I've never been a dress up guy. But I, I, when you did it, I was like, if I was ever going to wear a suit, it would have to be a fun suit. The boring, stiff suit to me is the death of comedy. It's such a weird look for a guy that's it's, telling it jokes. Depends. It fits some acts. Yeah, Seinfeld. I mean, I, who uh, else? Fucking Seinfeld couldn't go out fucking dressed in a tracksuit like fucking Shane Gillis. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it would, but it's like, yeah, I guess it fits your. It fits the act specifically, but I don't know anybody that could wear a suit in our current generation. I mean, who could? Who could? I, I, I always encourage people to get a look. I remember Junior Stopka. I don't know if you know Junior. Uh-uh. He's a fucking brilliant kid out of Chicago. And he's a great opener. Uh, but he just doesn't care. He pretty much has the act that he's going to do. And it's funny every time to me. Sure. Uh, but he's this big lumbering. He looks like a, a mixture of Hedberg and the Indian from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's this giant lummoxy kid, and we always try to dress him up because all we do on the road, we find sushi near the club and find all the thrift stores. And we just hit mm-hmm. thrift stores looking for weird shit. 
and that's our only hobbies. I don't want to go see the fucking museum. I don't care about fucking, I'm not like Bill Burr. I want to hit every college stadium. Now, thrift stores and weird shit. And we would try to dress this kid up in anything and nothing really worked on his frame. <laughs> Is he still in Chicago? Is he a Chicago guy? Oh, he's still yeah. working, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the one thing, not to sound uh, sentimental, but it does bum me out to think what this bit, what's happening right now is hurting a lot of guys like that. The, the working guys are getting fucked because of this whole thing. I mean, I, I don't even know how a lot of those guys are surviving, man. It, I, I, I think the same about, you know, guys that overextended. Like, yeah. how many of these guys uh, are, yeah, I'm going to go out, fuck COVID. Uh, is that because you fucking you you really thought that fucking pilot was gonna take off and you overinvested? Right, that's what like it how is. How many fucking headliners are on the verge of getting a fucking day job just because <laughs> they thought that gravy train would never end? A lot. Of, I mean, a lot of them. I mean, I would say that's that's why so many people are kind of showing very heavy signs of desperation because this culture of Los Angeles makes people overspend and, and, and I, in comedy, the bubble was bound to pop out here that it was so good because of what Rogan did for the store and what you saw in that documentary. It was like, what was growing and happening there? I felt it in my bones. I said to my wife, I was like, this is popping, man. This is fucking, and I've always lived so below my means that this is the moment when I live below my means and I go, see, See, this fucking thing is, this is not a forever thing. There's no way, you know? I, I, I remember going out there and Rogan coming out with open micer energy saying, this is fucking going on every night. You're going to move back. You're going to move back. This is the shit. And I, mm-hmm. I yeah, no, I, it's obvious. I, I, I've met more comics like in one night, like Chris Rock and fucking David Spade and like, all these people I'd never even met and I'm just meeting them all trying to get in line at the VIP bar in the back with Kerry Mitchell. It's in, it's insane. It's it, what, what was happening there was reminiscent of a time that I never experienced what I imagine, you know, that late seventies era was like where it was fucking that comedy boom, hot as a pistol, so many stars and all that stuff. That's what the store kind of felt like last five years was like fucking sh- you know i what i brought junior stopka there junior is a kid uh when he when he first went on the road it was only the second time he had flown and i brought him he's meeting me in pittsburgh he had to go to a website it was a military website to learn how to fold his clothes to put him in a suitcase like <laughs> So he's the kid that you want to, like, yeah. he, he's in a hotel. You know the ones, they have the, the curtains have the pull rod? Right. Sitting there yeah. spinning it for minutes <laughs> before Bingo said, oh, Junior, no. We went to a, we were in a Delta Sky Club in San Francisco. We had just done a gig and we were going on vacation to Hawaii. So why not bring Junior? And uh, it was winter so it was cold we get in the sky club and it's a really small one and uh i said junior you should probably take off that fucking hoodie and all that we're gonna land in 88 degrees 
So he changed. He started changing right there in the middle of a fucking sky club. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, you said it was a private club. <laughs> so this fucking adorable kid. I forget my point. What's my point? It doesn't. Junior Stopka is your point that oh, we need a comedy store. Yeah. So the comedy store, I take him to L.A. for the first time. Hennigan gets a, a suite on the corner of the old Hyatt house. Yeah. Looking over the comedy store. So we have this corner suite. We're staring down at the line of people that wow. are coming in to see us. And like, he's just fucking bedwetting. And it was that was like it was so much more fun to have him experience that than me, because I've I've done this, and so I, I I demanded someone get me a fucking small amount of coke before the show just so he could do a bump off of that glass piano table in the green room. <laughs> that green room is fucking magic. It's historic as fuck. I mean, the amount of coke that's been done in that room is insurmountable. I think it beats any other place on earth like it's that place is a was a was a late night mecca for mitzi that green room specifically not the club but that was a that was where mitzi was like could hold court with all the most famous and where you know if you weren't top tits you couldn't get in which is crazy it was like a fucking nightclub inside of a nightclub you know some sometimes you fucking just need porn yeah uh to get, I could uh, if, if I could transpose. Like, I hang on, honey. I just need to watch some of the green room of the main room of the comedy store, <laughs> and that just immediately makes me horny. I want to do coke and fuck someone. <laughs> That's that is the same. It's very Pavlovian. That's what that is. Yeah, doing coke on that piano and being in that fucking room. Well, because the vibe, you know, I think what they... What that they is, sh- that's the ghost of the comedy store. They say it's haunted, and that's the ghost, is when you go into that fucking room, you just want to do coke and fuck. Coke and fuck, it. yeah. That's a, it is someone doing coke fucking when you walk into a ghost. Or being possessed. Ooh. Right, being right. possessed by spirits that make you want to do horrible things. Well, it's also because... Uh, While your wife's in a coma. Yeah, she and, she's, and she'll never get out, you know? She'll never get out. It's also because that place... Um, it does make you feel different. I, I've of all the clubs I've worked across the country, most clubs feel like a room in a a room in a mall or a room in a place or a building. But it's rare to find a place when you walk in that you physically feel different. I think that's why there's so much talk about it when people, you know, when 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 it was dead, like really dead. I yeah. played there, you know, occasionally in those years. And when it was, you know, at its apex before COVID, it still had the same feeling. Right. Dead, it had the same feeling, bustling, same weird feeling. Totally. Um, hey, this is Tracy. She wants to uh, ask you uh, uh, if you know Carrie Mitchell while I take a piss. Go piss. Tracy. I had to give you something to say. It's a conversation. Hi, uh, he's just peeing. I'm just saying hi. You're good. How are, bartender. You? how are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I love you. I love this this uh, the orange in your hair. Uh thanks. I'm about about to redo it. It'll be much brighter. But I mean, I'm an I'm a real orange. I'm an original orange. But I we we like we appreciate you guys just the same because you're spreading the good word. 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely putting it out there. What's Big the, as possible. What's the what's um what's the worst drink uh, that you've made for Doug? What's the drink that he fucking hates? Well, we made some uh, when he was doing Thirty Days in the Hole, the original one. Uh-huh. They were doing old fashioned drinks, and uh-huh. to me, the worst drink is the Negroni. Yeah, I don't fuck with that. It's disgusting. Oh, it's so gross. No, what's the ones that I put? The ones I got at Forest at uh oh uh what are they called? Oh, it's uh z z z z z it's a z or an a. We'll figure this out. Aperol Aperol Spritz. No, it's uh, and I keep on to say Zazarak. Oh, Zazarak. Oh, Zazarak. Zazarak. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that was that was my fault. No, that is, what, that is fucking Dodgers. Fuck the Dodgers. Do you know Morgan Murphy? Yeah. Honestly, I was, I'm not kidding. I was going to bring that up. So I reached out to Morgan because I know that you guys are friends. Um, she's a massive, uh, baseball or sports fan. I hit her up because she was in the hospital, um, to make, and just to tell her that, like, it's so hard to not be corny when you're just like, I just want to say, I, I love you and I hope that everything is okay and that's it, you know, because like it's hard. I understand when people are going through shit that people check in and they want to they want to know more for their sake than for your sake. But uh, we talk we talked some fun little shit and it was kind of nice and I'm glad that she's all good and fucking feeling she's good. She's in the clear. She's she's dealing with some shit. Yeah. Fucking brain stuff we're, we're familiar with around this house. It's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, it's just anytime they're opening up your fucking head makes me go to a just a place of just that's the scariest shit on earth to me. And she says she said that that's a reason she never did hallucinogens is she didn't want to have to deal with what she's going through recovering from brain surgery (laughs) and having done lots of hallucinogens. What she was describing, I completely understood. Right. I can like hear parts of my brain communicating with other parts of my brain or i can actually feel myself healing like i I can and i go yes i I get that i've seen laughter come out of a shower head so yeah i get exactly (laughs) yes i've seen i have felt those moments like i i i uh you brought her up because i'm sure of baseball because she's a she is an insane baseball fan she's like a yeah, no, I keep that's why I'm watching. I'm only hoping we're only hoping the Dodgers lose so I can fuck with Morgan Murphy. I was just when she had alluded yeah. to going into surgery, I said, Yeah, she picked a good week to get that gruesome, embarrassing Dodgers tattoo taken off. Right. Isn't that so funny to think that like we just it's because you love Morgan that you want the Dodgers to lose. Like you're like, God, I want those fuckers to lose so bad. Yeah, I want to talk shit to her. Right. It's just like you that's friendship. That's when a, when you really love someone, you're like, I want tragedy to strike you because even this operation she's having, it's going to be fun to rag on her about in a couple of months. It's going to be great, you know? And, <laughs> and I did hate the Dodgers anyway. Uh, it's not like I just picked one thing to fuck with her about. I hate the Dodgers and how dare you be my friend and like them. Right, right, right. You have a Dodgers tattoo on my street. She, she lives three doors down. Yeah, 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 yeah. She has her place. Because of you. It's all because of you. Well, uh, it's only, well, she wouldn't have come to my house if I didn't live here. 
Yeah, no, the existence of that town will be stapled with your name on it for the rest of time. I guess like you will be you will be the reason, in my opinion, that so many people will know what Bisbee is. Because when I heard somebody say, Stanhope's moving to Bisbee, and I, I thought that was a California place. I was like, oh, shit, cool, good for him. I, and you lived in Arizona. Yeah, I know. Isn't that fucking crazy? I had no idea what that was. I just thought, oh, good for I, him. I That's... lived there for a year and a half. I had never heard of Bisbee. Do you, do, you, do you think you will end up, you'll stay there forever or no? Yes, absolutely. I, when I bought the place, it's the first house I ever bought. And I, I go, well, it's, we're, we're close to a hospital. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and and, and uh, there's only three stairs. So uh, as a smoker early on, you work out these problems that. When you stopped, you said you stopped smoking. How, how, what, was the, what was the years of coming back? That was 2008 when I did it for a year. And I got so fucking fat. I, I just stayed on my couch for two months till I had to go back on the road. Wore nothing but pajamas in the winter. Didn't realize I gained like 20-some pounds and my <laughs> pants wouldn't fit. I did, I did my first gig in Indianapolis in overalls. You can still find the footage <laughs> out there. You want to find Fat Stanhope. Uh, yeah. Fat Stanhope, by the way. It's a great character. It's very, very I, I wore funny. overalls, uh, I, I, ironically, but not. Right, 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 right. And someone, someone bootlegged that show. It's still out there. And Hennigan saw the fucking bootleg and went, don't ever wear those on stage again. <laughs> My manager rarely gives me advice, but it's usually something of that level. Don't right. ever look like that. Don't, don't wear it. The overalls, they don't look good on you, dog. You, um... So so we're hoping for two things to happen. The Dodgers to lose and yep. and now comedy for for you the reinvigoration of what that documentary did. Are you already writing? Like are you writing again or no? Are you are Yeah, only I I've written down in 8 months I've probably written down six premises or ideas. Right. I, I'm obviously not going to bother writing anything covid related although i did have a fucking rant in my head today uh but yeah by the time i'm ever out there i don't have anything on the books till late march or april right i mean the, the only those are still the only covid stuff i would have is me getting covid because i fucking had it so talking about the experience is the only jokes that i feel like i would maybe make oh but even yeah that's still, different yeah yeah but even still it's almost like uh yeah, the experience could be joked about, but I just feel like I've seen people joke about COVID so much on the internet that I'm just not interested in it that much for some. I'm just like, I don't know. I, even even having it, the only there wasn't much funny about it. It was fucking annoying. I was I was super fucking tired and annoyed and I just wanted to get it over with, but I was, you know, I I do there, I I will say the funniest part about COVID is how people react to you telling them you had it. It's really wild the way that people disseminate. They immediately disseminate what kind of person you are when you have had it. I don't know what their thought is, but I see how they're thinking. Do you know what I mean? Like I watch their brain do this thing where they're like, oh. I've been watching this social experiment of just the, the, the commune that we have together people that live here right. and are friends 
and how the dynamic works. Because we well, we do football Sunday and we quarantine this house, the fun house, uh, with the high risk people, the older, fatter people. Right. And then we smokers sit out on the patio, distanced enough, but outside with the TV out there. Uh, but everyone's like, there's been so much information or misinformation and, and or growth of information that everyone has their own idea of what is safe. Yeah, totally, totally. Like, like, like I find myself going, no, he's really funny. <laughs> yeah, you do think you get a pass. It's almost like, I'm not, you know, it's like when you say, uh, I used to tell the story about being on a flight with Bob Knight, the basketball coach who threw a chair in Indiana, this crazy bass. Yeah. And it was, it was like, I was on a bumpy flight coming out of Wisconsin. It was going to crash. I felt like it was going to crash. And he was reading a fucking reading a New York times. Like it was like, nothing was happening. I was like, yeah, <laughs> Bob Knight doesn't die like this. You know what I mean? It gave me this hope of like, fucking we're fine, dude. This is going to get to Jersey. With, with with your luck, you would die on a fucking flight with a guy more famous, Bobby Knight and 99 other people. Of course, yeah. Bobby Knight, some redheaded cunt, and a few other people died, and it was worth the crash. <laughs> um, all right, look, I, we, we, we end the episode the same way. Uh, I really appreciate you. I, I want to tell you, regardless of this disconnect and distance, uh, it's been a pleasure and I am for, been a forever fan. I, I I think you're fucking a brilliant dude, and I don't I don't want to suck your dick for the last minute and a half. Oh no, I'll, I'll, I'll suck your dick with a fact. Yeah, I had to do a fucking podcast with Aaron Berg. <laughs> oh yeah, at eleven a.m. and I was the fucking worst, most boring guest because I, I I didn't want to drink during it because I was saving that for you. I love you. Thank you, brother. I, pr- I, I appreciate it. Sober podcast. <laughs> Well, I've, I'll thank Aaron. Thanks, Aaron, for 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 taking that early morning hit because I appreciate it. But I honestly, genuinely, um, without sounding you know cheap, but I, I I'm excited to see what's next on you know the docket for only a few people, and you're one of the few people that I want to see what's coming up next for you because you know the times they are a change, and I think there's going to be some great fucking comedy that's birthed out of all this bullshit. I really, really do. Yeah, after after nine eleven, I was fucking locked and loaded. Yeah, because there was there was a definitive end that you could start piecing together your point of view. Right. And this, I I don't even I have no fucking idea what's going on. Yeah, but so, but it's gonna be it's gonna birth good comedy. I just know it'll birth good comedy. Just yeah, because I, know. I just I don't see the end yet. These right. towers haven't crashed. I'm still watching. <laughs> but as soon as we get to the Pentagon, uh, I, I'm excited, right? Like as soon as we get there, we'll be good. So we end the episode the same way. I want you to look in the camera. You say one word or one phrase that takes us home. I'm going to walk off screen and you're just going to say whatever the fuck you want to close the episode. All right. It's not whether you win or lose. It's whether or not you wake up with a good story. <laughs> In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me five dollars for the whiskey, seventy-five dollars for the horse. Gingers are oh, hell no. This whiskey is excellent.
Alexander's.